You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Jesus, we really do look to you right now. We know that your words are life, and that they are light, they're hope. guidance, it's strength to us, it's courage to us. Jesus, we need a word from you. We need a word from you because one word from you changes everything. One word from you changes everything. One word from you brings hope, brings life. speak to us this morning. Use me however you want to use me. But let it be your words, Jesus. What you want to say. What you want to say. In Jesus' name. We look to you. Thank you, Jesus. Well, My heart is so full. The presence of God is so strong. Um, Len Zodeman spoke to us uh, last week, and it was wonderful. And and, uh, like Sean mentioned, he um, gave us a challenge to read um, John 14 to 17 for the entire week and um, in different translations and whatnot, and we've um, heard from different people about what's been jumping out to them, and I, I, yeah, it's been amazing. If you haven't done it, do it. It's not too late, start reading it. It's amazing, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go from John 16 today, and uh, it's kind of interesting how God works. You know, we start reading those scriptures, and he's speaking to me about um, something, and all of a sudden it just kind of connects with what we're reading. I love that, and you know what? I say this quite often, but God, you know, God loves to surprise us. He, he loves to give us little nuggets of truth. He, he loves for us to stand in absolute wonder of him. And I, I was thinking about that this morning. I was praying and I thought, you know, God, I just, you're, how you work, you know, you, you're always showing little surprises. It's like treasure hunts. And I think that God wants to restore our wonder that sometimes we, we just get so serious with who he is. And he wants to restore our childlike wonder. So John 16, verse 20, it says, Let me make it quite clear. You will weep and be overcome with grief over what happens to me. So Jesus is speaking. These are the last words. Um, Jesus is kind of having his last moments with the disciples. And so he's speaking to them. And so this is what he says. You will weep and be overcome with grief over what happens to me. The unbelieving world will be happy while you will be filled with sorrow. But know this, your sadness will turn into joy when you see me again. Just like a woman giving birth experiences intense labor pains in delivering her baby, yet after the child is born, she quickly forgets 
what she went through because of the overwhelming joy of knowing that new baby has been born into this world. This is so true. I smiled when I read this. If you've ever been in the company of women and one woman begins to tell her child birthing story, every woman in the room wants to then jump in and tell their story. They don't even care what they don't even care what um, the woman's story is. They're just super excited to tell their child birthing story. We love to talk about it. We love to tell about it because it was an amazing experience. But what Jesus is saying is like, just like a woman in the middle of childbirth goes through it, there's great sorrow, there's great pain. It's so true. When you're in the middle of childbirth, you could have wanted 10 kids and you are birthing your first child and in the middle of it, in the middle of the pain, you suddenly will probably decide, you know what, actually I'm good. I don't want any more kids after this. I remember doing that with Shaylee thinking, you know what? Actually, I'm good. This is good. One child is just enough for me. But then what happens is after you have the baby, suddenly you remember there was pain. You know that there was pain, but it's so worth it. It was so worth it. It was all worth it to have this baby. And so suddenly, it's okay, I, I could go through it again because of the joy of having that, even though there was pain. And Jesus is saying this to the disciples in this moment. He's like, okay, listen guys, there's gonna be good that comes. Good is coming, but there's gonna be a time of sorrow. There's gonna be a time of pain. that you'll look back and say, I'm glad, but in the middle of it, there's gonna be pain. And so he says, verse 22, he says, so Jesus is saying this, so you will also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you, but you will see me again. And then our hearts will burst with joy and no one being able to take it from you. Verse 26, 25, he says, I have spoken to you using figurative languages, language, but the time is coming when I will no longer teach you with veiled speech. I will teach you about the Father with your eyes unveiled. And I will not need to ask the Father on your behalf, but you will ask him directly because of your new relationship with me. For the Father tenderly loves you because you love me and believe that I've come from God. I came to you, sent from the Father's presence, and I entered into the created world. And now I will leave this world and return to my Father's side. His disciples said, at last you're speaking clearly to us and not using veiled speech and metaphors. Now we understand that you know everything there is to know and we don't need to question you further. And everything you taught us convinces us that you have come directly from God. And Jesus replied, now you finally believe in me and the time has come when you will all be scattered and each one of you will go on your own way, leaving me alone, yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. And everything that I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. And you will give, and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. So just to put that in context, <laughs> the disciples, they 
they were living their life. Before Jesus, they had their jobs and they would go to work and they would do their thing. You know, one was fisherman and a doctor and a tax collector. They were doing their thing. And Jesus shows up and he says, come, follow me. They leave everything behind and they begin to follow Jesus. And day after day, they are undone by this man. They, they are, it, it's unbelievable who this man is, the words that he speaks, the person that he is, the kindness that comes from him. He raises the dead. He um, heals the sick. He casts out demons. And they're watching this day after day. And they're falling in love with him more and more and more. And he's telling them incredible things of things to come. And they're excited and man, good, good things are coming. And we're watching Jesus and our lives have completely changed and everything has changed in a moment. And we're just following after him and we know good is coming. And then suddenly Jesus shows up in the last moments of his life and he says, hey guys, just so you know, you're about to go through an intense time of sorrow, but good's gonna come but sorrow's coming. And they're like, what? We don't, we don't understand Jesus. And so he tries again and tries again. You're going to be like women. You're going to be like a woman in labor. Guys, sorrow, a time of intense sorrow is coming. And I'm reading this and I heard the father say, do you see what I'm saying? And I said, yeah, I get it. That many of us are going through this moment right now, just like the disciples did, an intense time of what feels like sorrow. And he began to show me in my own life, through prayer, that there are people that you feel like you are falling apart. There are some of you that feel like when you get up in the morning, you're not sure that you could make the day. There are some of you that can't sleep at night because of the pain that you're feeling. There are thoughts that are bombarding you and coming after you, trying to get on top, trying to find the courage, trying to move forward. There are some of you that are just frustrated. You're just frustrated. Some of you that have even said, it's okay, God, you can take me. I'm okay, I'm good. You really feel like you have reached the end. Times of intense sorrow. Good is coming, but right now you can't seem to see your way out of it. The preacher says that good things are coming. I can't even see that. I don't even know which way is what. Feeling that heaviness that you carry. It's like the disciples. And so I found myself in prayer one day. I was, began to pray Hebrews 12. And it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. 
Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. He says, you're in a race. You're in a war. <laughs> you're birthing something. He says, you got, you got to keep your eyes, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You got to keep your eyes on him. You got to focus. Focus on him. You got to focus on him. She says that all the time. Yeah, because now is not the time to lose your focus. You got to stay focused on him. Why? So you don't grow weary and give up. You can't give up in these moments. In fact, while I was studying us, I heard the Spirit of God say, you know those times, saying to you, you know those times where you're like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think that I can, I can take on the day. I don't think that I can get up. I don't think. But then something inside you said, but you got to get up. You got to do it. You got to do those things. The Father says, that was me. That's me saying, you, it's not the time. You got to get up. You got to get up. You got to keep moving. When a woman is in labor, when she, when she gets to the really intense time, what do they often say to a woman? Focus on something, stay focused on something. Because sometimes the pain can get so out of control that when they begin to get out of, when, when the pain gets out of control and you're not focused, you can begin to lose your focus and then you get out of control. You want to give up. You want to stop. They'll say, keep focusing. Stay focused on something. Why? Because you've got a job to do. There's something that you need to do. So stay focused. And Jesus in this moment is saying, listen, I know that you're going through an intense time. I know that it feels like it's intense sorrow, intense pain. Stay focused on me. Stay focused on me. Why? Because you'll grow weary and want to give up if you don't stay focused on me. And there's this, this, this wanting. Look at this. The disciples say, all of a sudden they have this moment and they say this to Jesus. At last you're speaking to us clearly, verse 29, and now, and not using veiled speech and metaphors. And then they say this, now we understand that you know everything there is to know and we don't need to question you any further. They came to this place and said, we get it now. You know everything, we don't. You know all things, we don't need to keep questioning. And what's been happening in our society today is, we say we trust Jesus, but we're really not sure if he can be trusted. So we begin to look for our own answers. We begin to look for what are prophets saying? I need a word from some prophet. And so I keep looking up prophets because I feel unsure. And then that becomes your focus. And then some of us are looking at end times and what's the world saying? And, and, and what are people saying? What should I, I should start saving things. I should start buying more toilet paper because that's what the world is saying for me to do. And Jesus is saying, hey, all of those things are distractions from keeping your eyes on me. And what happens is you begin to dig in those things looking for a word from anybody that'll give you a word and you begin to grow weary and want to give up. He says, keep your eyes on me because I know all there is to know. I, I know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to warn you. You're gonna make it. I'm gonna, I'm holding you in this moment. Just keep, keep your eyes on me. I think that he's reminding us of this over and over and over again. Because there's a place in us that's just like, I don't, 
I don't know if I'm gonna make it. The sorrow's intense, Jesus says, yeah, yeah. But you're birthing something. You're birthing something. Did you know that you are here for such a time as this? Did you know that you are on earth at this moment because I said you were supposed to be? And because I said you were supposed to be, I gifted you with everything that you needed to make it through this. So keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. In this, in this chapter, chapter 16 of John, in these verses where Jesus is talking to them about going through intense sorrow. In the footnotes of the Bible, it says this. Did you know that we, the church, continue in labor today so that Jesus can be seen through us again? That he's speaking to us in this moment saying, I'm about to do something. You're in labor, church. You're about to birth something because I am going to be seen again. It seems like intense sorrow right now, but I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm gonna be seen again. Don't give up. Keep your eyes on me. In Revelations 12, verse 1, it refers to a woman who's about to give birth, and it points to the victorious church about to give birth to a company of believers who will do the great works of Jesus and spread the brilliance of his glory throughout the earth. It's a birthing time. And you know what, it's funny, I was thinking about that as God was showing me all of these things linked together and, and I thought of, you know, I've, I've heard this since forever. It's birthing pains, it's birthing pains, you know. It, the, 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 it, it's, part of, it's part of what God's gonna do, it's the birthing pains. And I thought, you would hear that and, and we would have moments of, of, um, of times where it was like, oh boy, this is intense. And then it would kind of give up and then we would just kind of go back to normal and we've never seen anything like this ever in our life, right? In our lifetime. And I thought about contractions and I thought about it sometimes at the beginning, you're about eight months along and you have um, Braxton Hicks and, and you're like, ooh, is something happening? Is the baby about to come? Should I go to the doctor? Then you get nine months and those, those Braxton Hicks, they get even stronger. And so you're like, oh, oh, okay, nothing. And then when you actually begin to start labor, you have contractions and it's a little bit, not that painful, it's, you take notice. Maybe 20 minutes later, oh, something again. I think I should probably take note, but, but nothing yet. And then they get closer and closer and closer together. And now they're at five minutes, but you have some breathing room in between. And then, then they're at a minute. You should probably head to the hospital maybe before that, but now they're a minute apart. And, and so you still have some time to breathe and catch yourself. But then there comes a time when those contractions don't stop. They're one on top of the other. And usually that means that the birthing process is close. That it's almost time. And I felt like that's where we are right now. There's, 
feels like there's no breathing room. And I bring this today because I feel like a lot of you think you're alone. That this is just something you feel and you're looking around like, I just wanna give up. I, I am so tired of feeling this way. Some of you don't even recognize how much you feel because you just keep trying to push it away. You just keep trying to go on. This is just what I'm supposed to do. But I want to tell you, you're not alone. You are not alone in this. We are birthing something. There is a race that has to be won. God is saying, hey, keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. Good is coming. And then verse 33, Jesus says this, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. You know what he even says, it's gonna be a time of sorrow, but you can walk through this in peace. How? He says, because, I, because from that place will come confidence as you rest in me. How do you rest in him? How do you rest in God? Know that, there, that he knows everything that there is to know, and I don't need to question you any further. That's how I can rest in him, that my eyes are on him. I don't need to figure out everything going on around me. I just need to keep my eyes on him, knowing that he is taking me somewhere, that I'm going, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna just keep putting one step in front of the other, knowing what I know to do and following after him. And wherever I, got, wherever I gotta go, I'm gonna get there keeping my eyes on him. And then he says, for this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow. He says, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. And I felt like that was a word for us. Church, you must be courageous. You were, you were made for this. You were born for this. You are here because he said for you to be here. You must be courageous. These are the times of great courage. Rest in him, look to him. Then I'll end with this and so go to John 17. And he says, I love, I love this verse. I love this whole chapter, but it, Jesus, you know, I picture him as he's so excited to go see the Father, because he says it over and over, like, I'm going to my Father, guys. Guys, I'm going to my Father. It's, and I picture him as just being so excited to go sit with his Father, but yet knowing what has to go through it and also knowing that he was leaving the disciples. And so he is away in this moment and he's praying for the disciples which you can read in your own time, but then he goes and he starts praying for us in this moment, us. Verse 20, he says, in chapter 17, he says, and I ask not only for the disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. He's praying for us. He says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me.
you can read the rest of it, but you recognize that before Jesus goes, one of the last things he asks the Father is for us to be one. Like he cared about unity that much. Of all the things that he could have asked for and he could have cared for and he could have cared about, he said, Father, make them one. Father, the unity is so important. And I thought on that. And I thought, right now, in the world today, everywhere you look, you see division. You see people fighting against people, opinion against opinion. In all different spheres, in all different levels, it's just war after war of people's opinions and thoughts. And, and, and you, if you're not careful, you'll see the church begin to divide their opinion with that. They shouldn't be closed. They should be fighting. They should stay open. They should follow the rules. All of the things. I want you to recognize something. That's division. And Jesus in that moment says, Father, that there would be unity. Why? Because there's power in unity. There's anointing in unity. There's strength in unity. And so you know that the enemy would do everything he could to come against the unity, especially of the body of Christ. I was challenged when I read that and I thought, am I seeking after unity? Is what I'm looking for, is, is what I'm doing causing unity? You know we have the ministry of reconciliation, that's our ministry. To bring unity. I just recently, I. On my own page, I put out a challenge for kindness. Let's be kind everywhere we go. Church, body of Christ, I challenge you to unity, to guard your heart, to judge your own life. There is a birthing process. God is doing something in our midst. It feels like intense sorrow in this moment, but am I seeking after unity in the body of Christ? Because it's the heart of God. It's what Jesus prayed for, for these moments, in these moments. Like he knew division would try to come. No, strip away every weight, every sin that so easily besets us and keep your eyes on Jesus so that you don't give up, so that you don't grow weary. Thank you, God. Oh, Father, I thank you that you love us so much. That you would speak to our hearts, that you would see that In the night hour, you would see the struggle. You would speak to our hearts and tell us not give up. That your words would shoot courage through us. 
And Father, that we would rise up to be the church that you've called us to be. Father, I thank you for your spirit of unity. That we, the church, would desire unity. That we would see our brothers and our sisters the way you see them. And not by their opinions, but how you see them. You know that, you know you don't have to agree to have unity. We're not always gonna agree. And that's okay. But the point is, is that I would be more concerned about your heart, about you, than I am about my own opinion, than I am about your opinion, but I'm concerned about your heart. I'm concerned about walking hand in hand with you and that my words would be laced with kindness, would be laced with peace, would be laced with anything that would build you up and not tear you down. That I would pray for you, that even if you hurt me, I would pray for you. I would speak blessing over you and that I would recognize that the enemy tries to divide. So Father, I just thank you for unity in the body of Christ. That we are rising up in unity because we're in you because we look to you because we're after your heart and father i just pray over anyone who feels weary and wanting to give up and i thank you that in this moment hope rises up Strength rises up. Courage rises up. Identity rises up. And that they hear the voice of the Father. And they follow it. And I tear down any lies that have been spoken. And I break the power of them over people's lives. I speak to the lie that says, it's okay. I can go home. I, I can go be with Jesus. I don't need people. I speak to that lie. I say, you're not finished yet. You are here because God placed you here in this moment. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.